Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April King, and I am the Associate Pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We would also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. As I said, we had terrific pancakes, we had terrific music, and uh, pretty terrific drama, too. But do you know what's real terrific? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Sharon and I are so happy to be with you here this morning as we share about our risen Lord. Let us pray. You are the Lord. May we express our thanks to you this morning and remember and daily show in our lives why Resurrection Sunday truly matters. May all my words be to your glory and your honor. Amen. I'd like to start with a short true story to begin with. It's called It Matters by Jeff Ostrander. One day, when the old man went down to the beach, this neighbor followed to satisfy his curiosity. And sure enough, as he watched, the old man bent down and gently lifted something from the sand and threw it into the ocean. By the time the old man made his next stop, the neighbor had come near enough to see that he was picking up a starfish, which had been stranded by the retreating tide and would, of course, die of dehydration before the tide returned. As the old man turned to return it to the ocean, the neighbor called out with a degree of mockery in his voice, Hey, old-timer, what are you doing? This beach goes on for hundreds of miles, and thousands of starfish get washed up every day. Surely you don't think that throwing a few back is going to matter. The old man listened, and then he paused for a moment. Then he held up the starfish in his sand toward the neighbor and said, it matters to this one. Yes, it would matter to the starfish. It was a matter of life or death. A question for you this morning. If someone stopped you and asked, what about you? What really matters to you? Maybe some of you would be family. Others, it might be health or friends or work church, whatever. I'll let you fill in the blank. When I was a teacher, what really mattered to me the most was my students. Uh, Regarding their self-esteem, their emotional growth, and knowing that they were worthy and a somebody. I did get to a matter, I did a bit to a matter for times when I had to accept a reason or not for getting an assignment on time. But I'll let, you not, I'll let you know, there are some of my students in this group right now, and it never applied to any of them, of course. <laughs> it made me ponder and even chuckle when they said, well, my parents just don't understand doing this modern math. Or, my little brother decided to flush the good coffee down the toilet. Well, in the end, it mattered to the student not just for the grade that he was received, it was a lesson of responsibility, it was completing a challenge, and realizing that there are some consequences in life. But as a Christian today, 
Resurrection Sunday should truly matter. You know, every day should be a remembrance of Resurrection Sunday. Otherwise, this formula, which is not even modern math, will apply. No resurrection equals no Christians, equals no Bible, equals no Christ, equals no church. Charles Wesley once wrote, Christ the Lord is risen today, alleluia. Sons of men and angels say, alleluia. Praise your song and triumphs high, alleluia. Sing ye heavens and earth reply, alleluia. So, what does Easter truly mean and matter to you? Could you put that response in a word or a phrase or a life example? For most children, it's eggs and the Easter bunny. For candy manufacturers and retail outlets, it's a $1.9 billion enterprise in the United States, with 70% of it being chocolate. For many families, it's the Ukrainian tradition of painting eggs. But as David, Dr. David Jeremiah states, Easter is why we don't give up. It's not about the bunny, it's about the lamb. Here's another true life story about why Resurrection Sunday should really matter to us and to children as well. It is called Full of Emptiness. There's a beautiful old story about a Sunday school teacher who asked the children in the class to bring plastic eggs on Easter Sunday, each one filled with something that symbolized the meaning of resurrection. The day came and the teacher took each child's egg in turn opening it and making a point of expanding its meaning. One child had a tiny flower, and the teacher spoke of the new life that springs forth at Easter. Another egg contained a crayon picture of Christ, and the teacher spoke of that. Another had a small nail, and the point was made about the nails of the cross. Another had a round pebble that represented the stone that guarded the tomb. But the teacher was dumbfounded when he opened the egg of seven-year-old Brian, a mentally challenged boy, and found nothing there. But not to worry, Brian himself spoke up and announced, it's full of emptiness, just like the tomb of Jesus. His was the best lesson of all. Indeed, it's a lesson for all of us. As a Christian, Resurrection Sunday should truly matter. How can you possibly discount the many scripture passages on Jesus' resurrection? Why does it truly matter? Because as the children's song goes, the Bible tells me so. Mark 16, 6, he is risen, he is not here. John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. Matthew 28, 8, he is not here, he is risen, as he said. So what about this Resurrection Sunday theory? Or why does it matter to us as Christians anyway? Well, these are the questions atheists, non-Christians, and society at large today refute, they deny, and they even detest. Think of this comment for a moment before we just look a little deeper into this topic. Brendan Manning says, 
The greatest single cause of atheism today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, but then they walk on the door and deny him by their lifestyle. Wow, is that true or is it false? Let's now look at some of the briefly at the arguments as to why people try to explain away the resurrection. To a Christian, these are really absence of reasonable and truly alternative explanations. The first one, these are for real, these I'm not making up. The first one is called the swoon theory. It's the most common one, and it proposes this. Jesus did not rise from the dead at all because he really did not die on the cross. Instead, Jesus went into a deep coma or swooned from severe pain and trauma of the crucifixion. Therefore, in the cool temperature of the tomb, Christ was revived, was able to get out of the strips of cloth around him, and he appeared to the disciples. Wow, what an adventure for Jesus. How would you as a Christian believer disagree in a rebuttal? Here's how in a very general way. Always start with a biblical-based truth. The truth will always set you free. John 8, 32. And 2 Corinthians 13, 8. Always stand for the truth. You know, the Roman guards were experts at execution, and they would be put to death if they allowed a condemned man to escape death. The guards were so certain Jesus was dead, they didn't even bother to break his legs. When the spear was thrust into his side, it brought forth blood and water. And they had the final proof of death, as death occurs when the heart totally stops beating. John 19, 34. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood was and water flowed out. Also, Jesus would have endured three days without food or drink, and being emaciated, he could not have single-handedly rolled away the massive stone. Then he would have to go out, convince his followers, and travel countless miles over the next 40 days. Hard to believe the swoon theory, isn't it? Oh, here's another second outlandish theory. It's called the no-burial theory. They argue Christ was never even put in the tomb to begin with. He was literally thrown into a mass grave for criminals, according to what was the Roman custom. How do you as a Christian respond to that? Well, if this was true, neither the Roman soldiers or Jewish leaders would have bothered to seal the tomb, where they knew the body was not located in the tomb. Our reading today from Matthew 27, 62 to 66, explains this fully and truthfully. Besides, to dispute Jesus' resurrection, all they had to simply do was retrieve the body and display it to the world. You know, that sounds a little like the two witnesses in Revelation during the Great Tribulation, right? And here's a third, and briefly, mind-boggling theory. It's called the mass hallucination theory. The premise here is that everyone who claimed to see the risen Lord were hallucinating out of an earnest desire to see Jesus alive again. What would be your rebuttal to that one? Well, biblical evidence reveals that even Jesus' disciples were not really expecting to see Jesus alive. Does this shock you? Well, let's see. Mark 16, 10 to 11. She, Mary Magdalene, went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping, 
and told them what had happened. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, they didn't believe her. The resurrection came as a complete shock to them. Think about being three and a half years with Jesus and the disciples didn't get it, but the women did. And also scripture records 500 people seeing Jesus on one occasion alone. Paul states in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, after that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive or though some have died. It's really a matter for one person to hallucinate, but completely different for 500 to have hallucinations simultaneously, which is hardly possible. You know, a theory is an idea or set of ideas intended to be factual overall. If a theory does not verify its prediction, then the theory is said to be invalid. The three theories I mentioned all fall into this category. They are the doctrines of Satan and his demons. But Resurrection Sunday, it's a proven, truthful, factual happening. It doesn't need any revision or further proof. The fact is Jesus' resurrection occurred and Resurrection Sunday is, not, is for real. And it is the truth. It is not a theory. The disciple uh, Thomas is another example of how many people today doubt Jesus. This, they consider this. This is called a doubter's perspective. As the disciples are elbowing in and shouting over one another to tell Thomas this incredible news that Jesus is alive, how does Thomas respond? Just exactly as we would expect. He recites the skeptic's creed. Here's how it goes. I'll believe it when I see it. As a matter of fact, scratch that. I'll believe it when I feel it. You'll forgive me for not, uh, for not uh, taking your word for it. I'll make it my own evaluation if it's all the same to you. But Thomas, he saw the light when he saw and touched the light, the Lamb of God. In John 10, 28, he responded, my Lord and my God. Some of you might well easy say, well, it's easy for Thomas to believe because he saw Jesus face to face. But again, we all need to keep in mind Jesus' word to Thomas and its complete application to you and me today. John 20, 24. You, Thomas, believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who haven't seen me and believe. Does Resurrection Sunday really matter to you? Are you like a doubting Thomas or a faithful Christian? Overall, what can you and I truly learn about Easter morning that happened over 2,000 years ago? There are three specific scriptural proofs that come from the empty tomb. The first one is, the empty tomb is proof that Jesus Christ died for our sins just as he said, Matthew 16, 21, and John 19, 30. The second scripture is, the empty tomb proves that Christ conquered death, John 2, 18 to 22. And thirdly, the empty tomb is proof that one day Christ will deliver you and me from death, John 5, 24. These are the biblical truths and proofs 
Let's see now what lessons for you and I based on Christ's resurrection. Maybe these aren't lessons you really think about on Easter, but maybe they apply to you as well. Lesson number one. Easter reminds us that you and I, Jesus loves you and I, who are ordinary and flawed people. The example I'm going to give is Mary Magdalene, who had been demon-possessed, but Jesus healed her. Luke 8, 22. Along were some women he had healed, and from whom he cast out evil spirits. Among them was Mary Magdalene, from whom he cast out seven demons. So what did Mary do that Resurrection Sunday? Well, she got up, she went, and she told. She came, and she went out. She just didn't ignore the angel's voice in his statement, the tomb is empty. That angel's message in Matthew 28, 5 and 6 is the message of all time. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen from the dead as he said he would happen. Come, see where the body was lying. The angel didn't say to Mary, well, I've got some folding chairs. Just relax and have a few heavenly sandwiches. No, the angel commanded, come and see. And she did. We can do what Mary did only if in our lives we can overcome fear. Fear, false expectations appearing real. Again, false expectations appearing real. Here are a few powerful scriptures to literally help you slay this Goliath giant of fear. Deuteronomy 31.6 Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Isaiah 41.10 Fear not, for I am with you. I will strengthen you help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Lesson number two. Easter stands as living proof that God blesses those who love him with their whole heart. If you are like and have Mary's persistent faith and love for Jesus, then he will love you and he will direct your life daily. Lamentations 3, 23, 24. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every day. That was written by Jeremiah, and he, had, he could not solve or help anyone else. They just didn't like him, and Israel was in a great state. Yet he said, great is his faithfulness. Realize God, first, he's sovereign, meaning he is above you, he's ahead of you, and he's over you in all situations. You know, God already knows our problems and burdens. He hasn't gone to sleep. He's not on vacation. Nothing makes him unaware. He is in charge. He is in control. control. When you know God through Christ, a sense of confidence occurs daily. You and God represent a majority. No foe of any form can overcome you, especially Satan, 
and his demons. Maybe some of you here today say, well, I just don't have time for Bible study or prayer. I have so many things to do in my life. Well, if that's the case, maybe there's two words you should say to yourself, slow down. And as my wife knows, that's my words too. And make time for what is truly important. You know what you should do? Take a personal inventory this week and just jet down for a few days to show how you spend your personal time. You might be surprised. I'm talking about personal time. I'm sure you will, will and should, should find some time to take a time out and be with God, one and one, with prayer and his word. You know, time with God is not lost time. In fact, God will bless you. Lesson number three is, Easter reveals the promise that God will more than meet us halfway. You know, though disciples and women were weakened in their faith at times prior to the resurrection, maybe you too have a weakened faith at times, or maybe even now. A tragedy has befallen you. A loved one has died. Your job is no more. Your grown child has gone astray. Your health is suffering. Yes, your faith has suffered. Maybe in your estimation, you feel as God has let you down. This is a fact, not theory. God wants to renew your faith. He wants to bring you back to that place of fervency and commitment. Your greatest enemy is not yourself, it's Satan. Ephesians 4, 27, do not give the devil an opportunity. James 4, 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Even Jesus knew this well, as he said to Peter before his crucifixion in Matthew 16, 23. Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. What do you do? Just tell him, get lost. Get out of my mind and heart. Leave me. My faith is in Christ alone. Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. You know, the Lord is working not only on, but in our circumstances. He's working on and in us to develop perseverance, patience, character, and optimism. Just as Christ ministered to all before and after the resurrection, he can and will minister to you as well. Psalm 143.1 Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my plea, answer me, because you are faithful and righteous. Luke 8, 24, 48. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. We may not all be renewed in our health or whatever. God's will, not ours, is done in his perfect timing and his perfect way. Our why needs to be, why not, O oh Lord? We all need to trust and obey, because truly, there is no other way. However, Easter's greatest lesson and greatest importance is that the resurrection of Jesus gives you and me hope for now and eternity. Because of the resurrection, you and I can have both abundant and eternal life. 
1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 22. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also became the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, but even so in Christ all shall be made alive. All Jesus asks you or anyone is that you would simply believe in his victory, that you would trust him, seek forgiveness of your sins, past and present. The key is to repent. That's simply change your direction in your life and ways, so from you as being number one to him and his ways. Accept Jesus only as your Lord and Savior of your life. In closing, God through Christ conquered sin and death, providing eternal life for anyone who believes. No other person's life, past, present, or future, has accomplished the triumph of the resurrection. The message of Christ's resurrection changed everything. It changed a group of disillusioned, discouraged, and frightened men and women into bold and courageous disciples who turned the world upside down. There will never be anyone like Jesus. So why would you want to spend eternity with him? The only other alternative and true reality is to live eternity in the lake of fire, hell. This choice means there's no joy, there's no peace, there's no life whatsoever. Without the resurrection, we have no faith. Without the resurrection, we have no forgiveness of sins. Without the resurrection, we have no future. But because of the resurrection, we have life and life eternal. Does Resurrection Sunday really matter to you? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you alone are the King of kings and the Lord of lords savior of the world thank you is not nearly enough to express what you did for us all on that cross and providing you are the only lord by your resurrection may we live each day according to your resurrection until you call us home praise and glory to you lord jesus amen <laughs>